This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and here we are yet again. Texas loses to Texas Tech in overtime, 37-34. Boy, a lot of the same stuff that we complained about, broke down, analyzed last season during that 5-7 and seven debacle. Reared its ugly head in Lubbock, and we'll talk about all of it and get you ready for Texas and West Virginia coming up on Saturday. Before I bring in the rest of the team, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so much for your continued support of what we've been doing here for a decade now on the Longhorn Blitz podcast. Anywhere you get your podcasts, search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget, also on the social media platforms, specifically Twitter, at Longhorn Blitz, at uh what is our Twitter account now? Because I changed Longhorn it. underscore Blitz. Thank you, Matt. I, I changed it and I couldn't remember. I got that in the email address confused. At Longhorn underscore Blitz is the Twitter account. LonghornBlitzPod at gmail.com. Also, we got, a, we got one emailed from a listener who let us know that they enjoy the podcast. So, shout out. Nice. Uh, shout, out to, uh, shout out to that listener. Where is it? Uh, shout out to Drew. Drew Washington sent hey, us an email. Hey, what's up, Drew? So, Thank you, uh, Drew. Appreciate that. So, yeah, anywhere you want to get in touch with us. Also, we are on our own uh, Twitter handles, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. And uh, you can find me at Horns 24-7, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news notes and nuggets, the best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish, all powered by the 24-7 Sports Network. It's Horns247.com. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I survived Lubbock, so I'm good, man. Nice. Good. <laughs> it was dicey there for a second, but uh, I'm good. Uh, a man who has been to Lubbock many times. Uh, you also had to 
survive a field storming at one point, didn't you? Uh, I, I, I believe they stormed the field. I hope they did. I hope we we garnered that much respect from Tech fans. I think we were top Kingsbury five in the country. And yeah. West Welker took us down. Yeah, I think yeah. they stormed the field. Um, I don't remember it though. Actually, that's a good point. I don't remember. It. Those sometimes you just black out. I was out never those shoved out. I was, tortillas were thrown, but I just kept my helmet on. So smart, smart man. <laughs> uh, he's a Renaissance man. He understands what the pageantry of college football. Is all about even the dark side of it. Uh, where's many hats, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge each and every weekday on the horn from 3 to 7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL when he was done with football. He got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Appreciate that intro, brother, as always. Uh, Fantastic. What uh, I don't know, Rod, appreciate the ugliness maybe is uh, what we saw in Lubbock on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Look, here's we're going to break this game down. Here is where the conversation stops with me. You could talk about, oh, well, man, if Quinn Ewers was in, you know, Texas was playing with Hudson Card and a hobbled backup quarterback. Okay. Wasn't hobbled, but Tech was playing with a backup quarterback, too, a backup quarterback that hadn't played very well in his last two games, or at least mm-hmm. definitely the NC State game. Yeah. Uh, made some plays in the Houston game, but I digress talking about Donovan Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, well, they didn't have they didn't have X for the second half. Xavier Worthy was out with the foot injury and this, that, and the other. Look, when you've got a two-touchdown lead, Come on now. With 19 minutes and change left on the clock. Speak on it. That should, preface I use the word should, should, should be enough for you to put the foot on the throat and go win a football game. And it wasn't. And that is the fourth loss. See, Sarkeesian's lost nine games at Texas. Four of them. Texas had a double-digit lead at some point in the second half. I don't you that you can call them excuses, you can call them reasons, valid reasons, whatever. At this point, gentlemen, same thing we we talked we used this term during Charlie Strong's tenure, we use it during Tom Herman's tenure and now 16 games into his tenure, it applies for Steve Sarkeesian. This is a systemic issue that until it gets resolved, this program will not go where it wants to be under Steve Sarkeesian. Um yeah, it's not just the you know the double digit leads. I mean, because you've had fourth quarter leads of any kind. I I, read, I I saw a stat from Football Scoop in twenty twenty one calculated that eighty uh, percent of the teams who had a halftime lead in twenty twenty one won their games. Mm-hmm. So an NFL stat that said eighty close to eighty five percent of teams who had a fourth quarter lead in the NFL won their games. So you're talking about going. I mean, it's hard to lose games. Yeah, when you're leading at halftime, it's hard to lose games. Actually, when you're leading in the fourth quarter, when you're up double digits in the second half, and he's got five losses now out of the nine where he had a second half lead, five losses where he had a fourth quarter lead, and four losses where you had a double digit lead out of the nine losses, and you lost. And I'm with you like that. At this point, you know, one is can you can say that in irregularity, that can be an aberration, that can be, you know, just an outlier. Two is a coincidence. I'm cool with that. Coincidence, that's good. Three, that's a pattern. Four, that's a trend. Mm-hmm. Five, that's habitual. That's yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That's who you are. That's more than half your losses. Right? That's who you are then. 
So, and I believe that Joey McGuire said it after the game. We knew Texas would fold. We just had to make keep them on the field long enough, and basically we knew they'd break. And maybe that is the scouting report on Texas, that they will break. Just don't let the initial surge scare you. Don't let te- – because Texas plays two quarters, but the game is four. And if you can survive those first two quarters where they look really, really good, make them play four quarters. You know what I mean? Then that's where they, that's where they can be beat in the fourth quarter. Because you get a, a more relative sample to the yeah. type of team when you play well, it out over time. Exactly. And, the, yeah, it, in Texas, you found out that if they play for four quarters, the mistakes will be there. Or you'll have somebody that may be an isolated issue, but you can't have those things happening to many people on the roster in many games because then it sort of shows – an overlying issue where it's systemic throughout the team where, well, yeah, they this might be one mistake, this might be one, but like you were saying, once you start to stack those on top of each other, you can be like, oh, I don't know how isolated those are. Those become things that are part of your identity. They're just what you end up doing on the field. And, you know, we Jeff brought it up, you know, the idea of X-Men going out and it being a big deal, and it is. But that's the great thing about this team this year. We thought we had got to the point where you had enough weapons where you can survive such things. One like, person doesn't I know we'll decimate get, the team. Exactly. You still got the best offensive player in the country. Yeah. Exactly, and that was where I wanted to go with yeah. it because I went through the numbers and well, looking at you go it. There, though, I got to get to a stat, though, just kind of wrap up the conversation we're having. Tom Herman, 50 games that he coached at Texas, mm-hmm. only four times did he lose a game after having a lead at the half. Just four. In 50 games. You said you want about Tom Herman. We all agree. Bit of a fuster cluck here and there, whatever. The, the conversation still remains as, as to whether Steve Sarkisian is a better coach than Tom Herman overall. Is he a better offensive mind? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm venture to say that at this point, there's, there's evidence that Steve Sarkisian may, as a head coach, as a head coach, just be a better coordinator, and he's not a great play caller, really. Because I've always said there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a difference. Between being a core, play callers adjust on the fly. Play callers have great feel for the game. Play caller can play the man or play the hand that you're dealt. Doesn't matter. Sark is not really proven he can do that. He's not really played up against and, and really matched wits with great defensive coordinators on the other side. Not really well. When he has to manage the entire game, all three phases, mm-hmm. not just offense, teams seem to beat him. And after he's off script, in the first half, yeah, I got to tell you, the offense goes from brilliant, let's be honest, guys, to mediocre. We've also yeah. talked about something I've been on in four clock management at the end of halves. Right. Where it just seems kind of the, the, the clunkiness of the Alabama drive, like where you rush the field goal. Like maybe if you, you know, manage the clock better, you've got time to take a shot in the end zone. Or take or, the delay. Yeah, take the delay, whatever. Yeah, there was some time in that game. That tech game was weird. Remember they backed up and – I guess he was depending on Hudson Card to call the timeout. I was like, why don't you call the timeout? And they got the delay of games. Uh, Rod, I'll give you another stat, too. One thing we bagged on Tom Herman for, and rightfully so, playing way too many one-possession games, and a lot of those were one-possession games that shouldn't have been one-possession games. Mm. Tom Herman, <laughs> ran over half of his games at Texas were one-possession games. He was 14 and 13. But when you blow the double-digit second-half lead, that turns a lot of games that shouldn't have been one-possession games into one-possession <laughs> games. Games decided by eight points or less. Sark is two and seven, and wow. that's one where over you figure time. At least those are going to be a coin flip. That should be fifty fifty. 
games. Now, we're not talking. Harmon was right at 50 50, I believe, right? 14 or 13. He's right there. Now, we're not saying Sark is in Scott. There's there's a happy medium somewhere between like Tom Herman being basically right at 500 mm. and Scott Frost being five and 22 yeah, yeah, in one possession that. games. Well, and, and that's <laughs> it's worth but, pointing be out because yeah. you will hear and it is accurate that most teams are 50 50, but just or you know it, you're going to end yeah. up around. You there. always regress to the mean there, pretty much. It, normally, yeah, normally, but the thing is, is if you're living in those margins and in those close games, and if you continuously have the few mistakes that you say in certain situations would be bad coaching. There's a reason why certain coaches end up having a much worse record in those scenarios because there is luck, and it should regress to the middle. But when you start losing in the margins and have predictable aspects, it can lend you to then see, oh, well, this coaching factor, it may not be as much as this other coaching factor when you add those things up. And it's hard to ever prove such things, but there can be certain areas where you look at certain coaches and it's like, ah, well, it sort of makes sense this guy doesn't perform so well in these scenarios. And you talking about adjustments and the things that good coaches do in those scenarios might be able to pull out some of those wins. Yes, you're right. The, the, the bad thing about all this is everything we talked about last week on this show about are they turning a corner, they look like a, a different team, they, they <laughs> dodge a storm against UTSA. Yeah. What the tech loss does mm. is all the negative stuff you could throw at Sark, and, and the numbers are there to validate the negative stuff if you want to go oh, negative. All uh, it all applies. Sark is terrible on the road as a head coach overall. This program, this team under him is terrible on the road. They don't adjust. They don't know how to finish off an opponent. Uh, the formula in the second half of these games, Rod, it's all the same. The same. offense clams up. The mm-hmm. defense is on the field too long. You shrink your own margin for error. And then one sequence like you stop Tech on fourth and goal at the two, but then you go three and out, give up a punt return. Now they get the ball on the plus 30. That goes a long way toward deciding the game, just that one sequence because you shrink your own margin for error. And I want to get to your numbers, Matt. You talked mm-hmm. about the offense, and, yes, it, it, talking about it is valid when Xavier Worthy goes out, mm-hmm. how, it, how the offense changes. But as you said, Matt, there are a lot of reasons why it shouldn't. And, Rod, I know you chart this stuff during games. All the cheat codes in Sark's offense we talk right? Multiple multiple back packages, the bully ball package, targets to motion. At times, when especially with Xavier Worthy out, at times where that stuff you should be doing more of it, you do less of it. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not on the script in those scenarios. And I think it, the perfect example that we're talking about is looking at Bijan. And, well, when you have X go out, the numbers specifically, the first half, the drives with them, it was 33 plays, 272 yards. If you take out the final drive, which was just against Prevent, which wasn't real football, oh, take those terrible three plays up, terrible. ends up being 23 plays for the Texas offense for 108 yards. Obviously a big drop-off, but this year – not only do you have a guy like Bijan who's elite, even his backups, elite. Even you're getting more out of your other back, mm-hmm. Robinson. But in the screen game, Jatavian's a factor. In down the field, on down the seam, he could be a factor. Yep. When you look at how Bijan was used in the past game, his first reception was first play of the game was out for 22 formation, yards. I think they were in 21 personnel out of empty, and he ran a, he ran a deep like out route because I think mm-hmm. he was in the slot actually, and he and was never. He oh, never they, caught a pass again the rest no, of the game. They never and he used was targeted, him in that manner again. <laughs> he was targeted one more time. So whenever you think of the idea that, well, we have these pieces, X is out, a guy that funnels his usage through his best players. Well, And Jay what? Witt, you had Jay Witt too. Jay Witt could have been more of a weapon for you. You didn't weaponize Jay Witt. You didn't. Mm-hmm. 
you didn't try to feature Jay Witt at all either. So okay, in addition to, to point, Jay Witt, JT Sanders, Rojo, and Bijan, you can't give me the X Man went out. So man, the offense was totally uh, it, it was totally dependent, and now it was debilitating because been decimated because X Man went out of the game. You yes. Can't give me that. Look at look at Jay Witt. His he had four receptions for fifty three yards. All four receptions came in the first half with X Man on the field. They didn't even in, they targeted him, I believe, one more time after that. In the was second, that the D ball? Uh, I don't have it written. I believe down, it was. But yeah, one of the I, I three and outs deep, late. Yeah, it was the D ball. Remember, they okay. were backed up in their own yeah. end zone. They they threw it Prayer, deep. Yeah. I actually liked that play. They had the one on one, and it, it, un, Hudson Cards kind of underthrew it, honestly. That's and they I, did the same thing last game. Was a deep ball to Wit once you had? Mm-hmm. A, I think I forgot who. Yeah, it was when X wasn't in the play for that game or in the game for that play but when you look at the usage of the players across the board it's befuddling to think that yeah. you have him gone and then aren't funneling the usage through the main guys and it makes you wonder because it, it it gave me flashes of Herman because we turned into a power running team against a stack box yeah. it was very meatheadish in exactly. that scenario. and you running interior runs why not hit the edges you had a ton of success actually running to the edges and the of box Texas was stacked Tech. they were putting and eight the nine men in the box was stacked your interior run blocking actually has been subpar all year so I don't understand why all of a sudden now you thought against Texas Tech you were going to be more productive. So yeah, it's hard for me to for people to describe you as an offensive genius or to talk about your offensive brilliance if you need a first or a second round wide receiver and an NFL quarterback to make your offense work every time. Then I got to tell you, then you're just a good offensive mind. You're not great. I'll ask Lance Leopold what the hell he's doing. You think I mean, he's doing it with all elite offensive players? No. And I've been saying this for years, and I brought it back to last season too with Sark, and I, I wanted him to have that man-in-the-mirror moment, and I thought he did, uh, but apparently it, he did not. The truth is, Sark's offense, as I've studied it, and I've studied it as probably as thoroughly as anybody, so Sark, I know you, and I know your offense. It's just an assemblage of cheat codes. Don't let them lie to you and tell you something else. It's an assemblage and assortment of cheat codes, a bunch of them, whether formationally, mm-hmm. personnel-wise, uh, whether you're talking about concepts, he just throws a ton of them at the defense to overload their circuitry, right, to overload their central processing system. And that's why you have guys running wide open Like Keelan's touchdown. Keelan Robinson, right? A lot of different things happening. Oh, defense, oh, we lost that no guy. No substitute. Uh, even X-Men, right? Conceptual signature, the long rainbow crossers. He oh, loves yeah. the long rainbow crossers. That's part of his signature, and that also gets gets receivers free and open mm-hmm. downfield, and and secondaries lose them. So a these staple are all of the modern spread. Exactly. So what he does is he puts four or five of these different cheat codes, force multipliers, into his offense, and really that that in, in itself it enables his offense to function at a really high level because one of those cheat codes is going to work, right? Whether it be on a linebacker or whether it be on a safety, like it's going to, one of those cheat codes is going to end up breaking through. So I track the cheat codes, as Jeff mentioned. I've been tracking this fierce. And last year, remember, all the, the losses, I tracked all of these different force multipliers and found that Sark had less multi-back sets, less targets to motion, less pre-snap motion, less empty sets, less bunch formations, first down pass rate dropped. This was all last year. Go check it out on my Twitter timeline. It's all there. And even Sark admitted last season. He admitted that it happened. All right? He admitted it. He said, yes, I am. Just I'm paraphrasing. After Kansas, I think. No, let me get the exact quote. I I don't want to miss Sark's quote because I tweeted out because I don't want to miss him. All right, here you go. Sark said, quote, I think one area where we've had to adjust some, especially offensively moving forward. This is doing the losing trick last year. 
you know, sometimes when things don't go right, my initial natural instinct is to give them something for our players that I know they do really good that may not be as elaborate of a play call when in reality, when we do some things that are a little bit more elaborate, when you look at the tape, even later in games, we execute them pretty well, and I probably didn't give our players enough credit to do that. He's basically, I didn't trust the players late in games to be able to run these really elaborate, exotic yeah. formations and packages with little practice time, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm open up the playbook late, right? Yeah. All the other, listen, the game plan and the preparation and the script, you practice those plays all week long. That's why they're so good at them. They know them really well. Yeah. All right, but when I open up, expand the playbook, I'm not, you can't practice all that say, crap all, all week long. You don't have enough time in the mm-hmm. day. So I'm opening up the playbook during the game to try to win the battle, the chess match within the game, and win the battle of adjustments. But these guys, they're not comfortable in those plays. And he's saying, I don't trust them running those plays, especially with the backup quarterback, especially with X-Man out. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's happening again. Yep. It's happening again, mm-hmm. okay? It's ha- I'm telling you. And I went back and I went back and tracked it, all right? In the first half compared to the second half, he had less – um, targets to motion, all right, in that game versus Tech. Fewer multi-back sets, fewer 6-0 line packages, the bully ball package, the big 12 package where mm-hmm. he has Andre Carrick out there. Fewer empty sets, fewer bunch formations. The only things, oh, fewer play-action passes, fewer deep shots, uh, fewer conceptual signatures. The only thing he had more, oh, first down pass rate. Went from s- almost 70% in the first half when they were killing Tech to nearly like just a f- under 40% in yeah. the second half. And then and the only concepts that he had more of in the second half than the first half a higher rates of were pre-snap motion, um, wildcat, and RPOs. That's it. That's it. But why should you even have the same amount? You shouldn't even be close. You should always have more cheat codes, more force multiplies in the second half compared to the first half. If you had the man in the mirror moment last year and looked yourself in the mirror and did the research, if you did the research on yourself, you would know. You would know this is the time. I need to be more aggressive. And by the way, by the way, you're a terrible feel for the game. The man across from you has become a riverboat gambler and went for it eight times on third down. He's getting more aggressive and you're getting more conservative. What the hell is going on? And it's the, we even heard the exact clarification on why Texas was bad on third and long last week, and that ends up being what the game plan was for Tech. You have to be able to identify and know that, no, we got to defend two downs here, third and fourth. From the very first series, you knew that that was coming. And Sark has talked about that. I know. Sark laid that out. Yeah. When you're a coach and you know you're basically living in four-down territory. It changes. Let's say you're in third and eight, right? You're not going to try to get all eight or get nine on, on third down. Hell, if I know I'm going for fourth down, give me, give me half of it. Let me get a fourth and four. Let me get a fourth and three. It's exactly what Joey McGuire did. Let me let me t- um, hold on. I, I want to get to some of that, but I want to stick with the offense real quick because I want to I want to give you a number, maybe the most disappointing number with the Texas offense of the first four games, and then uh, I, I want to give you a theory, Rod, to tie everything together. You just talked about the disappointing numbers are the lack of usage of Jatavian Sanders down the field. You remember how last year? Oh, uh, I just talked about how Cade Brewer and Jared Wiley didn't pose vertical threats oh, yeah. and. Uh, the A dots, yeah, less than five uh, yards. Let's see, average depth of target last year for Cade Brewer four point eight yards. Jared mm-hmm. Wiley was at three point three yards per route run. Jared Wiley was at one. Cade Brewer was at zero point six three, less than a yard per route run. Uh, which those are both metrics in terms of your ability to stretch the field. You guys want to know what Jatavian Sanders is at through the first three, four games? Oh man! And and, and by the way, the first game he had several targets downfield. Uh, yeah. I don't know. A dot, uh, a dot for Jatavian Sanders. Oh man! Five point four yards. Oh no! We're 
We're reliving it again. It's a lot of screen. Yard, yards yards per route run for Jatavian Sanders. One point three eight yards per route run. <laughs> yeah, it's went down and now you have you have a vertical threat at tight end. That's crazy. Use him. Oh, Remember man. the ULM game where it's like, oh my gosh, the he ran that seam route where Quinn fit the ball in a tight window and JT went up and got it. We're like that that was like the hallelujah moment. Like, this is what we were waiting for from the tight end position. Yep. Somebody go stretch the field and get vertical. And, and once once X Men went out, you th- that's when I thought, oh, we may see that because right? that's the time to do. And that's where this game plan was just a oh, bit yeah. frustrating in looking at the way that it, it got shelled up across the board. And you know, we talked about the record in one score games and how you know those things over time should play out well. If you look at the post-game win expectancy that oh Bill Conley does, and this this aligns with the I same that. aspect that when you're talking about just a normal gameplay, so what he does is just take how these games play out and who normally wins. So on third down conversions, fourth down conversions, average success rate play, take away the names of the game and just say, well, if this team does this and this team does this, how often does this team win? And Tech's win expectancy was 2.4% of the time in football. It's out of all college football games, Mm. all of them 131 teams. So we're talking probably over 500 games by now. Texas was the lowest win expectancy, or Texas Tech was the lowest win expectancy that you've seen in all college football. And that's where I really think the idea that we're talking about all these things that become diminished returns that we've seen from Sark in these patterns, it can't it's exemplified there because in most situations, even an average coach performing that day will get you to win more than 50% of the time. Yet in this game, when Texas had a post-game win expectancy of 97.6 when comparing oh, just man. the gameplay to other gameplays, you end up losing. And I think really that sort of can help explain why the record in one-score games is so bad and why this pattern continues. And you wasted a good game by your quarter, your backup quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Hudson Card was not the reason you lost this game. You played a damn good game. Mm-hmm. You actually could have opened up the playbook with the way he was playing. Yeah. But you didn't. He saved your bacon on I think it was a third and eight where he had the twenty the twenty yard scramble. Yeah, yeah. and he was he got uh, banged up. He was limping off the field in the first series. Right when X Men got banged up, they were both banged up, and he mm. kept playing well. You you had okay, so your play action passes, you threw uh, I believe like seven play action passes, and Hudson Card was four of six on play action passes according to Pro Football Focus, two touchdowns. Remember, yeah, Xavier Worthy, deep touchdown, long mm-hmm. rainbow crosser. That yep. was play action pass. We bought himself some time. Personnel. And the Keelan Robinson one. Yeah, to begin to get, I mean, it's like, well, you do do more of that. The, those cheat codes, <laughs> the simple ones. Do more and of that. And I mean, I, when I went like, to the rewatch, when I watched the rewatch, I rewatched the first half and uh, charted out all the plays. And I was like, man, this is pretty. This is nice. And oh. then it just went down the crapper. I don't know. I guess I, it's amazing. I wonder if somebody's coming up with his script for him. It's because that's why I wonder if he does need to think about getting a play caller in there. Because that that it, it's it is drastic. The the drop off and the yeah. change. Or keep your play universe just those script plays, well, and it, then he can't because <laughs> their adjustments are made by the yeah. opponent. That's yeah. that's why people are like, well, just run the same play. Well, you can't just run the same play. Not you, the same, but the variations of. Yeah, no, the you can attack, but they're they make, they're making adjustments too. Yeah, agree. So the things that you attacked early on aren't the same things you can attack later on. Yeah. You're setting them up for stuff later on. That's why exactly. It's the, I call it the chess match within the game. And Sark, he sometimes he's playing checkers. Sometimes he's just playing connect four. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And he's not playing the chess match within the game. That's the whole point. You need somebody that can help you make 
those or anticipate those adjustments of your opponents, and then you can come up with the creative counters. He's not doing that. We, we talked and about the adjustment that. this time wasn't by the opponent. It was you losing one of your best players, and then you did not adjust to that at all. We talked about that. Uh, Brian Harson, I thought, was really good at that as a play caller. Like, you could tell he's running – uh, outside zone. And you're like he he's setting he's running outside zone. He's gonna set something up off yep. that. Like he's he's gonna lull him in the outside zone and then he's gonna come back with a bootleg or a shot down the field, something. Yep. And it would always happen. Brian Hartz would always come back to something. You're like, okay, that makes sense. That's like, why he was doing can, it. Right. Yep. I talked about it when I talked about how coverages and blitzes, how it's supposed to all fit rotations. It's all supposed mm-hmm. to fit like a puzzle. When you're watching it all twenty two on defense, a good defense it all fit like a puzzle. It's all it's like almost like a, a good story, like mm-hmm. that's what that's what an offensive play caller is. It's you got a feeling. You're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna run this. It might not make sense, but trust me, just file it away. It'll make sense later. It's like reading a murder mystery and letting it evolve. Like, oh, I remember that back there, and now that makes sense. So yep. it's I know that's mm-hmm. a, a weird analogy, no, but it all makes sense. It makes but sense here, to me. Here's my theory. To both of you guys, what we're talking about here. Here's my theory. I think the Alabama. You remember the LSU game in 2019? Mm-hmm. I talk about how Tom Herman had that vanilla game plan, and I'm like, okay. I'm sure, sure he was vanilla against LSU. Just gotta see where you are, but we'll it'll change. We'll see something, right? Yeah. And we didn't because I think Tom Herman lulled himself into a false sense of security, thinking, "Well, hell, I had this vanilla game plan. We ran it up and down the field on LSU. I can do that on anybody." And the offense didn't evolve. I think the Alabama, the defensive performance in the Alabama game, and the fact that they kind of got when they got done playing with their food, put UTSA away. On top of what you've gotten from Daniel Trejo in the punt game and Burt Auburn, who, by the way, now looks like a legit field goal kicker. I know where you're going here. I think Sark got lulled into a false sense of security thinking, all right. I can play complimentary I can play football. complimentary football now, <laughs> just know, like I, I always wanted too. last year. Yep. And, yep. I, and, and I told you it would be foolhardy. Yeah. He should have came into this season thinking, all right, every game, first one of 50 wins. That's how I got to play it. Mm-hmm. First yep. one of fifty. That's and, how I got to play. So I, I can't. I, I cannot trust that that defense transformed over the offseason. If they did, great. And I'll find that out, and then we can depend on it. Your special teams, which by the way, I still think has been really good, considering you lost your punter, your kicker, and your deep snapper. Um, but I think it would have been foolhardy to depend on any of those other phases. Your strength was offense. Just try to go for the gusto and be uber uber aggressive. And I don't think he got the memo. He's not doing that. He's not being uber aggressive. And, and you're right. You could be right about that Bama game too. And I think I also that I hope him into that false sense of security. Yep. And I hope it is in the case. But he also needs to have some type of if the fit hits the shan and say X Men gets out. We know that the offense is going to be based around him. But you have to prepare for every scenario, and you need to have a game plan for if you don't have X Men and you don't have now you know Quinn and you don't have that vertical threat like. What does our offense become? Because it seemed as if this got handed upon him, and he even had a halftime to deal with it, and then came out and didn't have anything that was going to be able to threat the defense. It was very simple. It was a lot of running into heavy boxes. It was nothing vertical, and it wasn't using your best players. General, and I know a lot of offenses are structured like this, but general generic comment by me, Matt, Summing that up, mm-hmm. that tells me your offense is too reliant just on on matchups. Yeah, it's not about schemes. It's not about anything else. That tells me you're too re- as the game and goes on, codes. you're too reliant on matchups. Well, if that's the case. Then why? But that's if it is about matchups, that's no problem with that. Why can't you use the other weapons you have? Yeah. to exploit those matchups. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Bijan and Rojo, Bijan, Rojo, J.T. Sanders, Jay Witt can do stuff like that. 
it's on those I mean, two specific what? matches. I mean, I don't know. It's like damn. It was we're in real trouble if if he needs Quinn Ewers and X Man every time to make the offense work. Like this is, that is that is not a great offensive mind, guys. Agreed. Like that that's I'm, I'm just I'm telling you that's you. not I'm a great you. offensive mind can make adjustments and you can do more with less if you need an NFL quarterback every time to make your offense work. Yeah, and you also need an uh, a, a top. Two first round, first or second round wide receiver, right? To end up making your offense work, and and the best running back in the country. I gotta tell you, we <laughs> you might be in trouble here. It's a you know what I mean. <laughs> just come on, guys. This You're supposed to those... be an offensive brilliant mind. What happened? What happened to scheming guys open? Yeah, you can only scheme the... open the best receiver. You can only scheme open a top five receiver in the country. Well, I gotta tell you, bro. <laughs> You're not a great offensive mind. If you can only scheme open the if it takes the best talent to make your offense function. Yeah. Agreed. The best quarterback, this highest rated quarterback that's ever been rated in recruiting. And a top five wide receiver in the country and the best running back in the country just to make it function? Come on, guys. Um, I'm talking about here. Ourself, we're, and also, you need to <laughs> scout, self scout and know that you can't just run and play bully ball into loaded boxes against Tech. Tech isn't the defense you saw last Bro. year. This is a much better defense than the defense he faced last year. And West Virginia may be a better defense than Tech. Yeah, around the, the same. Up front, level. they are. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> what? I know. That's. But I know we got to talk about the defense. I here, know, but, but um, Rod, to your point though just, about you know talking about matchups and 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 X. It's one of two things: either admit that that's what you need for this offense to work, but or don't sell, don't sell me on well. It's next man up. Well, clearly now you're telling me your next man up isn't very good, or you don't trust the next man. Exactly. Up. Yeah. Or you need your next man up to also be a first round talent like you had at Bama. This ain't Bama. No. <laughs> no like I mean, uh, you know what I mean? Like I'm just saying. So you may need to adjust. Like I said, if you can't handle managing the game as the head coach, but also being the play caller and also being you know what I mean? The guy that needs to make the adjustments during the game, then you need to you need to delegate better and you need to hire an offensive coordinator. I know Kyle Flood is that guy, but you need to hire a play caller then. And then you can work on the adjustments during the game and let that guy call the plays mm-hmm. that you already scripted. So it's half of the job is done for him. Say, man, I'll just script the damn plays for you. You just gotta call the plays that I script, and then I'll work on the adjustments for half for the half. Yeah. Maybe that's how we do it. All right, you script the plays during the week. Give it to that offensive play call. Let Kyle Flood call them. You already scripted them. You know what the plays are. Let Kyle Flood call those plays. You focus on managing the game and, and anticipating adjustments of your opponents. Because whatever you're doing right now, it is not working. Everybody assumed that Texas is going to be at eight wins somewhere, some, somewhere around there this year. Listen, guys, that, that Kansas win y'all had chalked up as a W ain't no guarantee now. Oh, no. I watch Adrian Martinez, I told y'all that he was going to be a problem there with Deuce in that backfield. I'll give you that credit. I'll give you credit I'm for telling that, Rod. you. So, them two wins you had against them Kansas schools, I wouldn't chalk that up as a dub right now. There are no layups <laughs> the rest of the way. I mean, you can – look, you're 2-2 two and two right now. Could you be 8-4? and four? Could you? Yeah, you could. Mm-hmm. You could also be 5-7 and seven at the end of this game. Amen, again. brother. Yeah, there are no layups the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. And if you look at uh, – I pulled up the defenses. Bill Connolly has West Virginia as the 59th best defense. Texas Tech, 62. So he has them a little bit better. And it. since you're on Kansas, we're talking about where's Kansas ranked. Oh. Overall, as a team, West Virginia is number 40. Tech's 46. Kansas is up to 52. Like, yeah. Kansas's offense is the real deal. Oh I've been God. following that Jayden all year. Jaden Daines is a Heisman candidate. Oh, for sure. That headache. No, I, I, I'm guess, any, anybody that hasn't watched Kansas, Lance Leipold and that crew are doing some really good stuff. On yeah. Right now. And he yeah, he did a good stuff at Buffalo And he before. doesn't need a first-round wide receiver and quarterback to do it. Huh. <laughs> Strange. I, anyway. I, do, I do want to talk about uh, 
Bijan Robinson's usage and leading up to the the fumble in overtime. Um, again, man, if I'm Hudson Card, I was I just had to be flabbergasted like on that last drive. Like, wow, they're giving me the sideline. Like you, oh, that you couldn't have played it any worse. Yep. if you're tech, it was, it was um, horrible. And, and credit Hudson Card for me. Like, wait, if they're going to give me the sideline, then this is the one thing you're not supposed easy. to give up. Like, in that yeah. situation. <laughs> this is basically like yeah, it's like the one rule. Yeah, of, exactly. Of, of that they, type of defense. They have the 75 yards to go, 21 <laughs> seconds, and no timeouts. And Just a guy doesn't have a don't super. Give them the sideline. They ain't. They were giving them the 20 yard throw down the field instead. Oh. Like they were dropping back 40 yards. And I was deep. like, give him the dump off and let him run downfield and waste time. Yes. That'd be great. And I was like, that's how you know. But don't, the, don't. guys, guys, that's how you know. Tech's not that good. Yeah. I'm serious. Like, that's how you know. Like, I know that they they're, they're okay. They're they're better, but they're not. They're, it's not. Listen, the Big 12's not running to say that. I can assure you of that. <laughs> if going forward on fourth down eight times didn't spell it out enough, yeah, it, it was aggressive because he it paid off. It's reckless if it didn't, yeah. and it yeah. paid off. So give him props. It was aggressive. Joey McGuire went out there and won that game for his team. And maybe he knew that down the stretch, hey, that other guy's over there, he's gonna get conservative. But me. I'm going to be aggressive. And he was like that the whole game. And, com- way, and that, that, that right? translates down to your players, and your it players does. get confident. Oh, yeah. they get and confident. then if you also are a player on the other side and see that, well, past success has diminished, and oh, yeah. then inside the game it isn't going your way, and you're in a stadium full of people wiling out, yeah, they, they'll go into a shell. Exactly. By the way, when Joey McGuire and his staff put together that game plan, I don't think for two seconds that he didn't talk to Jeff Trailer at UTSA and figure out, okay, what'd y'all do? What could have worked? No what can we do better? All that fun stuff. No question. Um, also worked. But I want to talk about so Texas gets the ball in overtime first, and man, you know, Bijan just gets hit right in the right spot, fumbles the ball, and the game is over at that point. And it, it was at that point where I was watching the game on that end of the field and just immediately walked back up the other end of the field to the tunnel smart move because yes. i didn't want any part of what was going to happen smart in the next move, five brother. minutes it was coming and i did get a water bottle thrown in my direction exactly. and water spilled all over me but that's you know <laughs> hey, that's, you're one of the lucky ones uh <laughs> collateral damage at that point um i want to talk about Bijan's usage and you guys tell me if this is just right you know about enough if he needs more i went back i like that bill Conley does this for me so i didn't have to go through and break it all down but Bill Conley does intended touches, basically combines targets and rushing attempts. I like that. To figure out your usage in the offense. Uh, Bijan's intended targets through four games, seven intended touches, excuse me, thank you, Matt. Intended touches through four games, 79, uh, 566 total yards. That's combined rushing and receiving, eight touchdowns, 7.2 yards per intended (laughs) touch. Um, Yeah. But the percentage of that, Wow. That everybody's using on offense, ULM 30, uh, 32%, Alabama 41%, UTSA 37%, Texas Tech 34%. Of like the intended overall yeah. intended mm-hmm. the touches? Should it be closer to 50%? Um, in certain games, it should. Yeah, like, like this one. Why you you gotta, that's, why, that's why his, the Sarks feel for the game is so bad. Your feel for the game is bad, man. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's, it was bad last year. It's bad this year. That was a game where you go, all right, man. You might need to go to Bijan. Oh, Bijan, we got to saddle you up. You know, all those packages of plays we got for you in the slot that we're going to move you around, put you out, try to get you isolated. We're, going to, we're about to use a bunch of the those. The one time they did that in the second half, they got a 40-yard touchdown on it. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we're about to get you on the edge. Like, it's about, because we got to ride you. And they, TC, they don't win that TCU game last year without riding Bijan. They were third nope. and longs. But they were handing off the Bijan. And it closed the game with it. <laughs> and it closed and the game. that's what you needed this. That's what you needed. And yeah. I, I know people are like, well, you fumble. Ah, forget about that. We all know that In Bichon overtime never on one play, yeah. Yeah, yeah and by the way, that was it, a hell of a play by Withers. If you would have rode him, you wouldn't have got to overtime. Yeah, it was a hell of a play by Merriweather. And you wouldn't have got to overtime if you would have maybe rode him. Yeah, so I'm with you. I think his, it just so Sark's feel for the game is off. That was the time you ride Bijan. You could have got that win. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys want to see probably, probably this West Virginia game, especially if you don't have Xavier Worthy. That, that the intended – Intended touch percentage just got to be closer to fifty, if not over. Yeah, I would, I would get it up there. But I'd also listen. I, I love the fact that listen. Let's clap and give Sark some props since we're dogging him here. You got Keelan Robinson a catch downfield. Amen, brother. Yes, well done. We've been wanting there for a while. Good for you, That's bro. Tendency and it was scored. Pretty. It, the it scored. was pretty. Probably should have brought it back later on, but it's all good. It's all good. So, you know, he can do those types of things. I think now we're just going to see more of that creativity. Um, from Sark with potentially X Man out, and you know, let Jay Witt play the X Man role. Jay Witt can do it. Mm-hmm. Jay, if you J, dude, Jay Witt can go. Now, I'm not going with Witt, but you can put him in the X Man role and feature him. And he, dude, he would kill in that role. I don't know why they didn't do it. To me, it, it'd be automatic because this position fluidity. They all know the same positions. So when X Man goes down, Jay Witt, you in that role. Yeah, We're going to no. put everybody else in the periphery roles. When, look, whenever he went to the trips in the second half was like one of the first times that they actually did start moving the ball. And that was, uh, yeah, that was st- actually still with X in there. It was at yeah. the end of the first half when they had Milton on the field. Hey. But, but like in that situation, like you were featuring Witt and he actually got a couple quick looks. And then it was the X touchdown that happened that followed. Yeah. No. Rod, we, we got to talk about the defense. Yeah, but before we do that. Um, you have your Wildcat numbers in front of you because that's been a good package um, for Texas. It just wasn't. I haven't won the ones. I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I charted this game, but I haven't added everything up. But I got the ones from prior to this game. Yeah. Do you have any? Do you have last year's Wildcat totals? Uh, I got the average. Uh, yeah. Just give me the give me the give me the average on the, on the average Wildcat stuff. for last year. Let me make sure I get them right. Um, the average for last year in the Wildcat was over seven yards per carry. This year. Uh, they were at, they were 17 yards per carry because of that big Bijan run, right? That 70 plus yarder because mm-hmm. that was a handoff in the Wildcat. So I charted just overall Wildcat rushing numbers, not just Rojo keepers because now they're handing so off they were to over Bijan. over seven yards per carry, 21. And what were they coming into this game? Uh, it was 17, okay. but if you take out the 78 yarder, it was at it was a little over five. It was at five over point 17. Okay. Yeah, but it was 5.4 when you took out that 78 yarder for Bijan, which I understand people want to take that out if you want okay. to. Um, Still, even Rojo keeping it, he was at he was at six yards per rush, over six yards per rush going into this game with Rojo keeping the ball. So it was really productive. It's just the hey, game tech is- tech game plan for it really well. Even yeah. Rojo said, Rojo said, man, they did a good job containing it, and they had the I- interior penetration. The and run they were game stacking just, the box in the second half against it. Well, yeah. yeah, the run game just lacked imagination. It lacked creativity. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just uh, that's. That's what I saw watching it from the press box. I agree with that. Uh, because the one time they did get creative again, they went, I forgot whether they were in 20 or 20 person. Before the Bijan run? Yeah, 20. It was, were, 21, it was 21. And they had split back, split back shotgun. Crossed him up. Mm-hmm. Bijan gets on the edge, and you're not going to catch that guy when he's, got, when he's got the angle on you. I'm with you, brother. I, I, I agree with you. I that was the one, one time they did it. Yeah. And that was like the first drive, I believe, the second half, correct? Doesn't make yep. any sense. Well, it was the second drive because the first one was the failed. Fourth down. Commission. Oh, you're right. You're right. But Second draft. Cat's been a good package for them. So it has. I think it still will be, but it does need to be. They need to evolve it. That's all. Obviously. Overhaul that thing. Yeah. Uh, put it on. You remember Pimp My Ride? 
<laughs> like exhibit, get get get, get hold of that thing, <laughs> and they still haven't thrown out of it. And we've been talking about yeah. like when they stacked. That's why I literally thought in the second half Texas was going to get that. And there were times because X Men was out. You literally one of the plays I counted nine guys up there at the yeah. line of scrimmage. And in those scenarios is when you just need that little backside guy leaking out, and nobody's going to cover him. So where you got to have more of the cheat codes with Worthy out, you ran into the same problem you ran into last year when Jordan Whittington went out. It just totally compresses the field, and mm-hmm. it makes it easier. DBs don't have to back up. Safeties can flat foot read everything. Like everything we talked about in the offseason, that's what the offense devolved to in that second half. Pretty much. Um, I want to throw some numbers out to you guys on the Texas defense. I read these on Light the Tower, and I'm working on – putting these together for an article at Horns 24-7. But I went back through the first three games in this game. I charted a a lot of different things. One of the things I charted was basically the defense on third and long. I went back and looked at every third and seven plus that the defense has faced. I Mm -hmm. found 22 of them. Uh, So basically the opponent through the first three games on third and long, they were four for 22, two first downs converted by way of penalty. Uh, Defense only giving up 3.6 yards per play. Mm-hmm. on third and seven plus. Uh, and opponents were one for five on fourth down. Save that fourth down statistics. I'm going to bring it up here in just a second. Yeah, but Bill you go to the, had those at 21 for 78 total yards. Yep. You go to uh, you go to the Texas Tech game. I've got Tech going two for seven, mm-hmm. uh, converting two, two of their seven third and longs. Uh, one was converted by penalty. One They had one third and long that uh, – was it was a third and ten? Texas got called for offsides. It was third and five, and they didn't get it. So that one didn't count. So two for seven on third and long, one conversion by way of penalty to give them three conversions. Yards per play, ten point six. Ooh, not good. Now, Ooh. the thirty-five yarder on the free play does skew that a little bit. That's true. But Rod, I'm gonna bring up some other numbers. They also earned those yards. Are troubling. They do. Remember how we talked about when you're in four-down territory on third down, you just want to get some of it back? Mm-hmm. So I went and charted uh, basically what I defined as standard down, critical down run defense. Anytime Texas, anytime an opponent through the first four games has run the ball when facing Texas in third and four or less to go or fourth and four or less to okay. go. Okay. So in those situations through the first three games, opponents converted eight of those 11 uh, scenarios, uh, averaged 3.2 yards per carry. Okay. okay? So not great, yeah. but it's actually not, you know, you're, you're, you're only stopped in three times. But you go to the Tech game, Tech converted seven of those 11 scenarios, hmm. 3.9 per carry. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a lot, yeah, but, when you're short, but when you're talking about short yardage yeah, run defense and you're big. going from 3.2 to 3.9. That's a lot. Yeah, especially when the distance I'm factoring in is four or fewer to go. You're basically getting it every time. Mm -hmm. Here's the trend that really, really disturbs me. But this adds up to your interior D lineman playing a lot of snaps, regardless of how often you rotate them. It's hot as hell on Lubbock. You're playing 100 plays. In the first four games, I tracked power success rate. Third and two or fewer to go, fourth and two or fewer to go. Uh, Through the first three games, opponents on the Texas defense in those scenarios Converted four of eight opportunities, averaged 2.75 per carry. It's not great. It's not bad. It's just basically it's 50 50. You go to the tech game, tech converted four of five in those scenarios, averaged 4.6. 
per carry. And most of those were the quarterback, Donovan Smith. And yeah. the Texas fans that should be familiar, you remember what the beauty mm-hmm. of the 18-wheeler package with Tyrone Swoops was? Pretty much. You got a quarterback who's 6'4", 250. Hell, if you give him the line of scrimmage, he'll fall forward and get a first down. Especially if he's got momentum. That exactly. opening touchdown was the same thing. Tugger Dorsey hit him at about the one or two Didn't and matter. just got Carried straight him through in. it, fell forward into the end zone. Yeah. No, that's a great That's a great point. He, I mean, they. It, it's crazy to me the, the most disappointing thing about the defense because they got 44 pressures. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It was like they didn't get pressure. They got pressure. The most disappointing thing is you created pressure, and they did a lot of it organically. I think they only blitzed. They blitzed less than 20% of the time. Uh, yeah. uh, Donovan right? Smith had 61 dropbacks, I think, the, I think 63 dropbacks. They only blitzed 11 times. Yeah, so they didn't blitz points. a lot, right? They, they, they got organic pressure, so no need to blitz. Um, but here's why sometimes you should blitz, because you got a guy who's one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the country coming in, had five interceptions the previous two weeks, had a pick six in each of the past two weeks, and then in this game, he threw the ball, how many times? 56 times? What was it? 54 attempts. 54 attempts. He threw it 54 times, and you were able to get zero, zero interceptions out of one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the country. Why? Because you didn't confuse them enough. You mm-hmm. pressured them. You pressured them. So sometimes pressure isn't enough because usually pressure means, you know, not only does a passer rating drop for the opposing quarterback, but also interception rates also go up usually. And Texas wasn't able to create any turnovers. Why? I think they didn't confuse Donovan Smith enough. That organic pressure, it's great to get it, but you also know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. The beauty of blitzing is you don't always know where that pressure is coming from. And I think that's maybe where PK messed up. Got the pressure, but I think you didn't confuse and discombobulate the quarterback enough. Yeah, because six, it was 60 dropbacks, uh, 11, 11 blitz. Exactly. exactly. 11 you got blitz. pressure, though. 44 pressures. That's good well, pressure. 24 plays, 44 players, just to be clear on the stats, to where they, it says there were uh, thir- he was kept clean 36 times. He was under pressure 24 of the 60. But, like, multiple, you, yeah, multiple, multiple players, players can pressure yes, on multiple yes, players. Yes, so my yes, point yes, is still yes, 44 yes, pressures. Yes. I'm yes. just clarifying. That's, but still the point. That's the point. So my point is you got pressure. Multiple guys are getting pressure. You got a lot of guys getting pressure, and yet you still were unable. So basically you got pressure on more than 50% of the snaps and weren't able to force one of the most turnover-prone quarterbacks in the country to turn the football over. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem. Yep, and he had zero turnover-worthy plays on the 36 plays that he was kept clean. Under pressure on the 24, there were two turnover-worthy plays. Texas just didn't come up with them. Yeah, so and we knew that. I retweeted the numbers at the time going into the game. He was obviously much worse under pressure and when blitzed. The same was the case this game, and Texas just didn't get there enough and didn't confuse him enough to force him to make the mistakes that you thought you'd get. Well, he's a mobile quarterback, so your pressure's always going to get home. You have to mm-hmm. know that. Hell, you should have known that because you just faced three mobile quarterbacks going into this game. So now that you need to, he was a guy that you had done better trying to confuse yep. rather than just trying to pressure because he will throw you some, but he threw you none because yep. they kept with the high, the high percentage passing game. And PK did not adjust, in my opinion. The, the chess match was in the game. The first adjustment by PK was a smart one. Jaron Thompson. He was playing way too soft. He was sacrificing his alignment and his assignment for disguise. And you can see during the game, the coaches basically tell him, dude, get up there. Yeah. Go cover your guy. The first fourth down is him being just, just playing off coverage too far off. And they say, no, to hell with the disguise. Just get down there to your man. And he starts getting down close to the line of scrimmage. They start playing title coverage. And he start getting pressure. And then they start getting their hands on balls. Ryan Watts gets a PBU. Jay Barron gets one. Cook gets one. Start getting their hands on balls because the ball is inaccurate, right? It's, it's not coming out right. So what is the counter by Texas Tech? 
Brilliant. Something I said on Longhorn Blitz they were going to do. Attack the linebackers. Go after the linebackers. Mm-hmm. Your linebackers can play the run. Can they play the pass? The answer is no. Texas linebackers cannot play the pass. 50% of the yards that he got were attacking and targeting the Texas linebackers. Go look it up for Pro Football Focus. He ma- they match the linebackers. And not only do they use uh, the wide receivers, use the tight ends. Ooh, right at the seat, right in the central nervous system of the Texas defense. And what was the answer for Texas? They had none. They had none. Checkmate. Checkmate, gentlemen. Yep. That was it. <laughs> he, PK didn't have an answer. I thought PK should have went back. By the way, they played middle of the field safety. They played three safety yep. defense, three high safety defense. They brought a dying package in. Um, remember you brought that up, Jeff? You said they should have a sub package. They did. They had a dying package out there. They played in third third and long situations, and uh, Jade Barron was the middle of the field safety in those situations. So they tried to get a little creative, and they played it early on. So I think they were thinking about confusing them. I don't know why they didn't use it enough. I would have went back to it and said, you know what, they're killing our linebackers. They're not really hurting us in the run. Our D-line is creating organic pressure. You know what, I'm going to put some DBs in here, and I'm just going to mix it up and throw, yeah. throw, just throw them for a loop with some exotic looks and elaborate looks that he hadn't seen because obviously you hadn't played Don. Yeah. So he, he wouldn't, he, we wouldn't have been prepare for it. She did more of that? Yeah, uh, that was the Especially with overshowing out. That was the disappointing thing with the defense. They didn't they didn't force the issue. Nope. They it felt like man, they are waiting for Donovan Smith to make that mistake, but credit to Texas Tech offense, credit Zach Kitley. I mean, Rod, they insulated him about as well as you can insulate a quarterback. They when did. you looked at where where they threw the ball uh on passes from zero from the from zero yards from basically from the line of scrimmage up to 9 yards. Uh, 21 of his pass attempts mm-hmm. were there behind the line of scrimmage. 13 of his pass attempts. So it's Screen a lot game. of quick game, get the yep. ball out of his hands fast, screens, all that stuff. They ins- And, like, people are like, well, Miles Price caught 13 balls. Yeah, it's 13 for 98. Basically, those were long handoffs. They were long handoffs. But he attacked. Go look at how many of them they got right across where those linebackers are. They did. Right in that little, that little area yeah, where the linebackers are. Yeah, just up between Ford uh, it was uh, Ford had a bad day. 77 yards allowed, five receptions on eight targets. So they came after him. Yeah. They went after Demo, and Demo got in there. DeMarvin Overshone, three receptions, 40, 45 yards on four targets. Uh, and I mean, even even Tuck, if the touchdowns on him, they go to stock blocking, they go to stock block and go doing, down the goal line and got him and Jalen Ford. That's why he's so open, because remember, he comes off the line of scrimmage, looks like he's going to block. Go look, go watch the details. And then he releases upfield when they flood the boundary side, got the touchdown, boom, attacking them line. Back, say they thought they were watching the whole time. They were setting them up. That's what they were setting them up, dude, with that with that quick passing game. And they know the Texas linebackers they can they can listen. They can play the run really well, and they're aggressive playing the run. Can they play the pass? The answer now, no, they can't. That's exactly what I would have did in the game. I said it last week. That's exactly what Kelly did. Donovan Smith ended up being seventeen for twelve for one forty six when you tally up all those linebackers. Donovan Mm. Smith. This was on passes again from the line of scrimmage to not up to nine yards. Was seventeen for twenty one. Twelve of those seventeen completions ended up going for first downs. Mm. Yeah, so that's to your point, Rod. Mm. Linebacker, that a lot of that's linebackers being out of position. It's just like it's just your, you know, and and Sark kind of brings this up though, but it is your overall pass coverage. I'm sure the the safeties and the DBs have something to do with that too. Um, but I do think the weakest part of your pass defense is your linebackers. And I think from now on, everybody's coming after them linebackers. But we've Better seen, have a sub package ready to go. We've seen teams do that, though. Like Alabama didn't do it until late. They did it late. Yeah. And they had success with it. You're they right. just didn't do it until the fourth quarter. That play you brought up about Bill O'Brien where he brings the running back yeah. uh, on that little yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
yeah, the linebackers on that blitz against, beater. Mm-hmm. Against was, Cup, Cup was a perfect four for four for sixty five against linebackers. Yep, and they didn't use him till late. He brought them tight ends late on them, and they tight ends big. Yeah, huge. Cup, yeah. Cup. Oh, uh, and UTSA, if I remember right, they tried. They did it a little bit, but then they got behind, and it, you yeah. know, the game got away from them. But I think that was just Tech watching the tape. It's like, okay, this works against Texas. Let's just do it more. Mm-hmm. They did. Let's see if they adjust. And Texas did not adjust. I think the adjustment would be, uh, I think he'd throw that sub package out there next time if he, he could and say, man, I'll see if these DBs can cover a little bit better. We're getting organic pressure with the D-line. I'll just put better coverage defenders out there. But I was with you, Rod. I was like, force the issue. Like, yeah, I know you're getting pressure with your front. You could tell, like, Coburn Sweat, those guys were working their asses off. They were. I, I, got, I got a lot of respect for that D-line. Alfred Collins was too. Like, yeah, Tavantre Sweat. Yeah. Bowling. Yeah. They just, they, the problem with this defense, like you pointed out, Rod, against the pass – the linebackers are vulnerable, and you don't have that guy on the edge that can you can count on to win critical downs. Yeah, not, I, yeah, we thought. And Demarvin Overshaw, they didn't use one of the edge when he came in back in the game. No, they should have. They didn't. It was strange. But you, I mean, we, we've seen we've seen, like, we've seen bad Texas defenses that still had like a Jackson Jeffcoat mm-hmm. or an Alex Okafor or somebody like that that you can turn loose, and they you know they can go get the quarterback. The Stephens doesn't have that guy right now. Nope. They do not have that. There's only so much you can ask your interior D-line to do. Yeah. I'll say that that I I feel like I may be letting that group off the hook. I feel like that group has played well. No, no. Actually, the D-line to me, I thought they were good because they had no running game. Tech, Tech had no running game, yeah. and they, it, like I said, Frank. Uh, sorry, sorry, Donovan Smith. Going back to Frank Harris, Donovan Smith was under constant duress. He was under pressure yeah. the entire day. So I got no problem with what the D line did. I think, and Sark talked about this too. Their pressure packages did not really coordinate. They mm-hmm. didn't really weren't compatible with the coverages. We talked about this guys last year that it was that some some of their coverages were nonsensical when you look at how they related and mm-hmm. how they were. Uh, uh, you know, basically connected to the pressure packages and to the front. And that was kind of one of those games where Sark even brought it up. So if Sark says it, it must be true again. Also something that was a was an issue last season came back to haunt him in his yep, tech game. and the linebacker thing was an issue last year, and it is the bottom four coverage grades were all linebackers. And then even on the play that was the running back that caught the ball out of the backfield, that was one where Benda and Jaron Thompson were confused yep. between I who. think it was Jaron Thompson's yeah. guy. And, and Benda turned around to look at him because I think Jaron maybe thought that up front he was going to take him at least in the flat, and he just gave him a total He was too sprint. far off his bed. Was it? He was soft uh, yep. in his coverage, and he came down into the box. Yep. And, then, and then that's when Jaron Thompson got drifted inside yes. the receiver. And they basically Rated RPO, I believe. When the, the outside receiver helped Sharon carry the inside, yes. and it was schemed up the way we it schemed was a great Bichon. It's, it, it was. It's how we get, it's it was very exactly how so. we opened the season against yeah. Louisiana last year. And think about this. You know, yeah, that's a great point. You're right about that. So I, I think the defense, ultimately the D-line, I thought played pretty well. But PK did not adjust, in my opinion, and PK needed to make an adjustment to what they did by attacking the central nervous system and also attacking those linebackers in coverage. And he didn't really have an adjustment. Like I said, they did play Dime, and they did play like Mo Blackwell. I believe in Benda were the two yeah. linebackers mm-hmm. when they played that three high safety look. So they tried. Oh, I mean, I guess, but they didn't play that when they were getting eviscerated late no. in the game um, with those short passes uh, at linebacker depth. So he really didn't make any adjustment that I saw. Uh, real quick, the the to your point, Rod, there was a, um, I guess it would be the left side A gap was where Tech had some success running eight mm. carry. Well, it's okay, eight, eight eight for thirty four. 
right. 4.3. But a lot of that's going to be Donovan Smith on the, oh, the you're inside right. He had a few runs. of those. Yeah. Uh, but really, again, what hurts you in terms of the, the big plays Tech got, it was on the edges. Uh, C-gap and D, C-gap and outruns, they were 16 for 83, about 5.2 a carry. I remember one of those runs. big runs that really inflated that, too, was late. Remember Sir Roderick Thompson? Yeah. It was late in the game. But hell, I mean, it was late, but it was still crucial. But they gave up, like, a big one. They hadn't given up too many big ones in the game, but that was a big one. That was like uh, that was C-gap, D-gap runs and scrambles, too, accounted for. Scram- but tell you, dude, scrambles. for 83 of the 148 you gave up. Scrambles have been killing Texas this year. Yeah. I want to say he, Donovan Smith got maybe two first downs scrambling. Uh, this year they gave up at least ten first downs via scrambles, I believe. Yeah. Total. Mm-hmm. The most crucial ones that have led to two losses. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, we'll see if any of this changes during the West Virginia game. Must win. <laughs> and it, no, no, yeah. isn't, it, isn't it crazy? It's a must win. Yeah. You lose to West Virginia, the oh, forks yeah. are coming for you. Then you're coming two, for you're you. two and three going to the OU game. They're, they're coming for you, bro. Yeah. So you just said must win. I hate to say that this early in Tar- Sark's tenure. No, it's about <laughs> as for I think for both coaches. Neil <laughs> Brown's the on the hot half seat, of the conference. So. Oh, you're right, Neil Brown. Yeah, he's been that must win situation they for lost a while to Kansas. now. Kansas. They lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we did too. That's why Sark said a must win. But you know what? Crazy, crazily enough, that was looking like a better loss this year. Oh, yeah. if, if you were, if you didn't lose to Tech right now, we could all rationalize and justify the loss to Kansas. Going, dude, that's one of the best teams. Good. The, the streak it just started early. We just didn't realize it started probably with Texas. But yeah. they really now one of the better teams in the country, even though they're not ranked. And now you screwed it up, so now we can't even play that card. No, like, no, <laughs> Texas just sucks. They lost to Kansas and lost to Tech. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, whatever happens in the West Virginia game, we'll be back next week to break it down. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Robbie, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104-9-1-0-1-9-AM-1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 any Rickage podcast. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button to get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode.
Com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news, 24... 24- You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news, 24-7, visit Horns247.com.